With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A predatory loan or are upside down on your mortgage. Even if you've lost your job and you're worried about losing your home, don't wait. Call us now and let us help you save your home. You've worked hard to build a life with your family. Let us help you keep your home. Call now before it's too late. 1-800-597-8843. 1-800-597-8843. You're listening to GCN, the world leader in independent talk radio. KCAA Loma Linda. Brett Malik with this AM 1050 news update. State health officials are confirming a case of bubonic plague in Riverside County. A ground squirrel in the San Jacinto Mountains north of Idlewild has recently tested positive for the rare bacterial disease. Campers in the area are urged to stay away from rodents and other wild animals. It's Riverside County's first confirmed case of the plague in nearly a decade. Two elderly Inland Empire residents killed in a pair of freak accidents have been identified. 72-year-old Jean Hinojosa was run over by her own vehicle in the driveway of a Riverside home Wednesday afternoon. In Menifee, an elderly man was parking his pickup truck when he accidentally accelerated, pinning his 82-year-old wife, Wilda Myers, against the wall in their garage. Here's the latest from Inland Empire News Radio, Weekend Edition. I'm Jim Ness. Don't look now, but gasoline prices are the highest they've ever been for this time of year. What we're looking at basically is sort of a perfect storm, if you will, of incidents and supply. The owner Clump Champ Spring explains it began a few weeks ago. Local refineries were dropping production levels, um, exporting supply to Mexico and other countries, and allowing inventory to dwindle in anticipation of switching over from producing winter uh, summer blend gasoline to winter blend gasoline. And then in that process, there was a refinery power outage in the Exxon refinery in Torrance. And from what we've heard, a pipeline incident occurred uh, up in the Central Valley. As a result, some overnight pump prices across the Inland Empire have surged by 18 cents a gallon. Governor Brown's getting some flack for the bill he signed, allowing some undocumented immigrants to get driver's licenses. The licenses will go to young immigrants who qualify for two-year federal work permits. San Bernardino County Assemblyman Tim Donnelly and other Republicans say a 1993 California bill signed into law prevents undocumented immigrants from getting a state-issued license or ID. 
we're sifting through the law, and the law was very, very clear. California has, has worked hard to secure its driver's license, to make it a secure document. Some in the immigrant community criticized the governor for vetoing other bills that would have limited deportations and strengthened labor protections. You see, Riverside is in need of a new chancellor. It's been announced that Timothy White will be the next chancellor of the California State University System. The 23-campus CSU system is the largest four-year public higher education system in the country. White said he did not seek the CSU position, but felt he could bring a unique perspective. And he sounded the theme similar to when he came to UCR four years ago. We will create leaders for California and for the world. And we will discover solutions for society's most vexing issues that are out there. White succeeds CSU Chancellor Charles Reed, who is retiring. The Russian news agency, Ria Novostin, is reporting the death of a champion skydiver as a result of a mishap September 23rd at the Paris Valley Airport. Irina Sinsenina was jumping with a team of skydivers when her parachute became entangled with that of another jumper. Several days later, she was flown to a hospital in her hometown of Moscow. She died this week of several broken vertebrae. This is Inland Empire News Radio. From the KCAA Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Steve Norris, and overnight, it looks like we're going to see some patchy fog of a low temperature of 61. We have a chance of fog right on through your weekend, so it's going to be a daily occurrence. High temperature on Friday, 87, below Friday night, 60. On Saturday, we're expecting to climb to 84, below Saturday night, 56. Then on Sunday, an afternoon high of 83, a low of 55. We do expect some fog again on Columbus Day with a high of 78. That's your weather for this hour from the station that leaves no listener behind. NBC News Radio, AM 1050 KCAA. Diners at an Applebee's restaurant in Hemet are being praised for their swift effort to tackle a stabbing suspect. Police say several patrons at the West Florida Avenue Eatery chased Raymond Marquez down Wednesday night after he tried to rob a manager at Knife Point. They were able to hold down the 51-year-old parolee until officers arrived. The manager was hospitalized with non-life-threatening stab wounds. You're up to date. I'm Brett Malik on the Inland Talk Express and your radio home for University of Redlands Bulldogs football. AM 1050 and KCAARadio.com. With your host, Barry Lynn. All right, and welcome to today's edition of Culture Shocks. We have the Constitution in the United States. We talk about it a lot. We've talked about it at least twice earlier this week alone. It gives us rights. But see, the Constitution is also filled with what some federal judges have called majestic generalities. You know, what do they really mean? It sounds good, but how is it going to be interpreted? Well, Sometimes it's easy to interpret the Constitution. It says you have to be 25 years of age to be a member of the House of Representatives. It doesn't have to, you don't have to be smart. You just have to be 25 years of age. It's real specific. When it comes to a lot of other of these guarantees, in particular in the Bill of Rights, not so easy. And even if 
uh, federal appeals courts, for example, try to kind of uh, give a very constrained, narrow understanding of what a constitutional right is, maybe the Supreme Court could fix it, but lately it hasn't been fixing much of that. And when you get down to the local level, the local jury trial, your local prosecutor, the local police force, you may be, well, tried and convicted before you open your mouth. That's actually the name of the book we're talking about with my guest, Michael Cicchini. He's the author of Tried and Convicted, How Police, Prosecutors, and Judges Destroy Our Constitutional Rights. What a, what a pleasant, affirmative way to start. Michael, thanks for being with us. Thanks a lot for having me on the show. Hey, listen, let's say that you and I, because we're both good civil libertarians, and we drag Anthony Romero, the head of the ACLU, in here, and we all looked at a prosecution from beginning of arrest to prosecution to trial. We looked and we noticed that every jot and tittle of the constitutional rights of that defendant was fully protected by the other side. Isn't there one still gigantic overarching problem? The prosecution has virtually unlimited resources to go after whatever it's trying to achieve, and the defendant is rarely, if ever, able to match it. Uh, that's right. I mean, I, I see that a lot where... Uh boy, you, you know, you've got someone who is making minimum wage so they don't qualify for a public defender representation, for example, mm -hmm. and they have to hire a private attorney, and it's all they can do to beg, borrow, and, and scrape, you know, resources for that. Uh, and a lot of times the prosecutor, on the other hand, will have access to, to experts, uh, unlimited time and resources to prosecute a case. And, yeah, that, that's a real problem. Um, and the thing I think that causes it, we just had a change here in Wisconsin recently, but in many states, including Wisconsin still, it, just making that minimum wage is enough where, you know what, you don't qualify for a, a public defender and you're on your own. So uh, the, the threshold is often set from some antiquated uh, poverty line, maybe back in the 70s exactly. or 80s, and if you make above that, you know, you just don't qualify and you're out there on your own facing this huge opponent with huge unlimited resources. So it is a problem. Yeah, and one of the things that huge opponent might do is, of course, uh, try to use a language in the Constitution itself, the vaguer language, uh, to make sure you don't get out to play much of a role in your own defense. I mean, let's take it to the extreme. James Holmes charged with 24 counts of murder, hundreds of other counts. Right. Uh, he's not getting any bail. However, uh, it does say in Amendment 8 of the Constitution, excessive bail shall not be required. Well, this guy obviously can't afford the bail that's been set. In fact, I don't think they set any bail. Should even a person like James Holmes be allowed to be out be outside, perhaps be monitored, but be outside so that he can help in his own defense. Well, you know, that's the, the thing. I, one of the things I say in my book, just to briefly sidestep, is that the, the book, and certainly anything we talk about here, is not intended for legal advice. Of one of the reasons is that the law is so dramatically different from state to state. Even when you're dealing with the United States Constitution, how that's being interpreted from state to state varies dramatically. Now, in Wisconsin, where I practice, they say, you know what, uh, cash bail... That's only intended, the law says at least, whether it's, it's, this is in practice or not, it's a different story, but the law says cash bail is only intended to assure the appearance of, def of the defendant in court. Now, one of the factors, whether a person's a flight risk, is what's the seriousness of their charge. If you're charged with a disorderly conduct misdemeanor facing, you know, 90 days versus multiple homicides, that would be a factor, certainly. Sure. But, you know, the law here is clear that it's non-monetary conditions that are to protect the community. So in the case you mentioned, which is a very rare example, by the way, these, these homicide cases are, are incredibly rare. That's not at all 
uh, representative of the type of case that gets ground through the criminal courts every day. But even in that case, um, you know, you're looking at uh, what, what could you protect the community with? Well, there could be house arrest, there could be monitoring, there could be uh, counseling, psychological counseling, if that's an issue. I don't know, you know, right. in that particular case. So, unfortunately, I think this is another area where the law is not read as it should be. Uh, and while the extreme example you give might not be the best one for my argument, it's, it, we see it in a lot of cases where people are charged with fifteen, twenty thousand dollar bail. They often have bail revoked. Even though they're no flight risk, they've been here, they've been in the community their entire lives, own a home, and things like that. So exactly. sometimes bail can be misused uh, in that way. Uh, just briefly, go back to Mr. Holmes. He does have two very prominent defense attorneys in the state of Colorado representing him now, assigned by the court. Okay. Um, if this was an average person, though, in in the kind of crimes that you generally see or right. defend a drug possession, you ain't going to be assigned any prominent anybody. In fact, the only reason, I mean, they want to make sure in Holmes's case that there is no one who can say, although this is already being said, that the cops have somehow screwed up, the prosecutor screwed up by acknowledging that this uh, guy was allegedly seeing a psychiatrist and all of that. But the average person is not going to be assigned, even if they're a minimum wage person, someone who is the next, you know, F. Lee Bailey, Jerry Spence, ain't going to happen. That's right. Typically, let's say a person does qualify for public defender representation. This is a problem from state to state. You can do any type of a web search. You'll see this come up in New York and Florida. What's happening is <clears throat> these public defenders, no matter how bright and dedicated they are, their caseload is so enormous, uh, they're required to take on so many cases that the public defenders in some states are stepping forward and they're saying, look, we're, we're, being, we're rendering ineffective representation because we can't handle this massive volume of cases that you're making us take, and we're going to stop taking cases. And there have been some legal battles on this uh, because an attorney has, an even all attorneys, including state public defenders, they have an ethical obligation to render competent uh, representation. Right. And, you know, that's the problem. What you say, you're, you're right. Typically, you'll, you'll, a person is indigent, they'll get a public defender. And in many states, under many circumstances, they're so overworked, they are even saying, look, we can't do a good job on this case. And that, that's a big problem. Yeah, it's a big problem. And, of course, in some states to this day, and I don't want to, and I know you don't want to disparage the commitment of a lot of public defenders, but there were public defenders in some states representing death row capital cases or potential capital cases, you know, who got out of law school last year. It's true. And on top of that, a couple of things I mentioned in my book in passing, it's not common, but you even have attorneys, and I don't know if they were public defenders appointed by the court, privately retained, that are falling asleep in death row cases, and yeah. courts are still saying, well, they weren't ineffective because even had they been awake, uh, there isn't uh, much more they could have done at that particular point in the trial. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a problem. Experience is a problem. Training is a problem. That kind of goes back to law schools. There's a huge movement today to reform law schools because they're not really providing, um, in fact, many law schools make it a point they don't want to be viewed as a, a practical no. uh, education. They want to be viewed as a scholarly application. The problem is a lot of people are being becoming licensed without that experience, without that training, without any knowledge of what goes on in, in a courtroom. And then they're you know, taking either becoming uh, defense attorneys or taking appointments or things like that. So experience is a big problem. Um, the workload is a big problem. Falling asleep in court is a problem, although that's rare. But, but yeah. it's, it was such an interesting example. I had no. to include it in the book. Well, no, it is. And, it, and the other thing is, remember, these when the guy falls asleep and uh, this becomes a point of appeal, it is the appellate judges who are saying, well, you know, it didn't matter that much. 
I mean, that's, that's right. They're looking at a cold record. You know, they weren't there. They didn't yeah. see the reaction of the witnesses no. of the jurors. No. So, yeah, they're they're making by cold record. I mean, they're reading just a transcript. Absolutely. They're not seeing what happened. No, absolutely. Okay, we're going to come back in just a minute. We'll continue this conversation with Michael Cicchini. It's an excellent new book. It's called Tried and Convicted, How Police, Prosecutors, and Judges Destroy Our Constitutional Rights. When we come back, let's say you're stopped by the police. You don't know why you're being stopped. Maybe you should talk a lot. But wait a minute. I think you have a right to remain silent. If you do decide to remain silent... Looking to save up to 50% on home improvement materials? Stop by the Habitat for Humanity Restore in Redlands, your discount home improvement store. We sell home goods such as furniture, appliances, building materials, and tools at a fraction of the retail cost. And all the proceeds help fund the construction of Habitat homes within the community. We're just off the Mountain View exit on the 10 freeway. Call us at 909-799-6738 or go to www.habitatforhumanity.net. The Restore gladly accepts donations and is always looking for volunteers. Attention dieters, how'd you like to get paid $1,000 simply for losing ugly fat? Now you can. How many more attempts at losing weight are you going to endure before you understand the fact that almost all diets are impossible to stick to? Have you fallen into dieters despair? Now you can receive $1,000 as part of a real-life weight loss program underway from coast to coast. Amazing breakthrough hunger-smashing smoothies are now available to the general public. This hunger-smashing smoothie, called Slendaline, allows you to lose weight rapidly and effectively without a doctor's prescription. All participants who get paid $1,000 will be documented proof that this revolutionary hunger-smashing smoothie, Slendaline, outperforms every other diet when used by real people in real life. Call now and get paid $1,000 simply for losing ugly fat. Call 800-417-3445. That's 800-417-3445. Call 800-417-3445. Again, 800-417-3445. Did you know here at KCAA 1050 AM that we developed an app for all your Android devices? We're talking about your smartphone, your tablets, you name it. You have an Android format, you can take KCAA with you everywhere you go. We're talking about our audio stream, our video stream, and even our podcast. Go to KCAAExpress.com. That's KCAAExpress.com. KCAAExpress.com Are you sick of the stock market? Do you wonder when this market turmoil is going to end as it heads up 300 points one day and down 300 the next? Are you analyzing other investment opportunities? Don't just head into this unknown territory blindly. Jim and Lorraine Conaway, hosts of Smart Money Talk Radio, will take you through their step-by-step systematic approach to analyzing investment opportunities and potentially help you discover what choices may be appropriate for your situation. Call 888-266-2929 now to schedule your complimentary conversation consultation and you will also receive your complimentary investment evaluator cd that's 888-266-2929 this is a smart money tip brought to you by smart money talk radio hosted by jim and lorraine conaway on kcaa 1050 every monday from 3 to 4 p.m securities offered through jb turner and company llc member sipc investment advice and financial planning offered through jp turner and company capital management llc a registered investment advisor jp turner and company llc and jp turner and company capital management llc are not affiliated with Conaway and Conaway, Inc. These are challenging economic times, but challenges often create opportunity. KCAA Radio has always welcomed challenges, and we have found success by moving forward in faith and with boundless determination, regardless of the odds. 
KCAA is currently looking for a few motivated individuals who are equally determined to improve their situation in these tough economic times. So if you're unemployed or just underemployed and you share our determination, we may have the life-changing opportunity that you've been seeking, an opportunity to become part of our KCAA family. This is a commission-based position that offers our guidance and our support to help you earn some of the highest commission rates in the industry. If you're interested, call 909-486-3047. That's 909-486-3047 for more information. Hello, my name is Stephanie Georgiev, and I'm the host of Real Food Empire. But for my day job, I also am an integrative family acupuncturist in San Bernardino County. I specialize in the best of what both Eastern and Western natural medicine has to offer. I use state-of-the-art blood and saliva tests along with the ancient art of traditional Chinese medicine to help you and your loved ones achieve health. Call 909-793-9355 and make that first appointment on your road to recovery. My office at the Wellness Loft is located at 112 East Olive Avenue near historic Old Town in Redlands off the 10 Freeway and the Orange Avenue exit. You can check me out at thewellnessloftonline.com or go to my personal website greenrx.org. I look forward to joining you on your road to recovery. Call 909-793-9355 today for special KCAA listener introductory consultation rates. I look forward to serving you and your family. Some people calls it a Kaiser blade. I calls it a sling blade. Mm-hmm. I like me some of them fried potatoes and biscuits. Mm-hmm. At night, I like listening to that KCAA AM 1050 Red Joe. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Culture Shocks with Barry Lynn on the Genesis Communication Network. back no falling asleep by the way that's up to jurors can fall asleep the defense counsel can fall asleep listeners cannot particularly if you're listening say to a podcast of this while driving michael cicchini is my guest he's the author of a great new book called tried and convicted how police prosecutors and judges destroy our constitutional rights like the right to remain silent uh you don't have to say anything to the police if they come though michael uh they come to your car uh, they, they pull you over, and uh, you decide, hmm, I don't think I'm going to answer any questions. I'm just going to give them my license, which I, in most uh, jurisdictions you, you have to do. Uh, but I'm not going to say anything more. How far are the average police officer going to go in hinting, at least, that you'd be a lot better off chattering away immediately and certainly not demanding to see a lawyer, including a Michael Cicchini? Well, in, I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is just change your facts very slightly, and the reason is that I don't deal with drunk driving cases. And All right. Like you, like you um, just out of a matter of I don't keep up with the law in sure. that area. Okay. But like you mentioned, you know, and, and certainly there might be an obligation to produce a driver's license and, and, and to identify oneself, and, you know, those are things I don't know about. Let right. me change the facts slightly and sure. say that you've uh, been arrested, you've been brought down to a police station, you've been read your Miranda rights uh, and told you, you have uh, the right to remain silent, which – 
there are many ways the police can even avoid doing that. Um, uh, but let's say that that's the case. Now, okay. uh, what I see in my practice and something I, I wrote about uh, or I've written about both in the book as well as, well as some articles is that the police can simply – uh, let's say they do advise you of your rights, you have the right to remain silent, they can then engage, uh, if you're thinking about what to do at that point, the police often engage in very contradictory information. They, they often tell people, look, nothing you can say here can hurt you. They may tell you mm-hmm. that, um, you know, this is your opportunity to tell your side of the story. You know, or <laughs> right. in some cases, they've even, in published cases, they've even told defendants, look, whatever you say here can be used for or against you in court. Well, you know, that's not true. Uh, and no. despite these things, the courts will uphold these Miranda waivers if a person then chooses to waive their Miranda rights and speak. They'll uphold these waivers as legally valid, even though, for example, let's take the case where the police say, you know, anything you say can be used for or against you in court. Well, it would be the rarest of cases where a defendant could use his own statement against him in court. Uh, that would typically be hearsay. Right. The prosecutor could use the defendant's statement against him because it's a statement of a party opponent. That's and again, right. this is not, uh, this is just uh, taking one set of rules of evidence, uh, and, and this may not be applicable to all states. Uh, but uh, typically that's the case. So the police often, even when they do read your Miranda rights, they will often contradict those rights, telling you this is your opportunity to help yourself. They'll, they'll lie, tell you, yeah, you can use your statement for yourself in court, which isn't true. So they've got a number of tactics, even after reading you your rights, to get you to waive those rights. Uh, those Often those are flat-out lies, and often the courts will say, you know what, we're still upholding the Miranda waiver, and we're going to now use the defendant's statement. Often to something that uh, it's a statement about something he didn't even know was criminal. What is, but, the, what is the argument, what is the reasoning in those appellate courts that look at an example like this hypothetical we just created? Here. Right. What do they say? Uh, it doesn't mean what it says. The Constitution. I mean, Miranda. We we decided to change it. What What do they explain? Yeah. You know, in some cases, it's flat out changing it. Yeah. Um, get, and I'll answer your question in, in two parts here. One, uh, there's a recent case where a person uh, exercises right to remain silent for, if I recall, the details about two hours and forty five minutes, and then finally gave in and answered a question, and that was used against him in court. And and the Supreme Court said, you. No, he didn't say he wanted to remain silent. And the, the dissent said, look, the law doesn't say you have to speak. It says you can remain silent. What else does a person have to do to exercise his right to remain silent other than remaining silent for two hours and 45 minutes or three hours or whatever it was? So, yeah, sometimes the law on this changes. And, and in fact, that means that the Miranda warning is no longer accurate. That's to right. say to a person you have the right to remain silent, more accurately it should be you have to tell me what you want to do and you know communicate that clearly. But uh, in any case, how do they? Your original question was how do they? Um, get a, how do they it, yeah. do these things? What do the courts say? Well, a lot of times what the courts will say is that the police officers can tell a person that cooperation will be to his benefit, provided that no specific promises of leniency are made. Now, mm. when you tell someone, hey, this is your chance to help yourself, what do you think they're thinking? They're yeah. thinking leniency. Yes. Uh, so uh, the courts, they'll parse words, they'll come up, they'll twist the language, they'll do whatever they can. Uh, and not all courts, of course. What I'm doing is I'm criticizing sure. the bad decisions. Uh, there, there certainly are good judges and good of decisions. Course. I don't mean to suggest uh, that there are no such judges. That's not true at all. But uh, a lot of these published cases, these are out there for anyone to read. I cite to them in my book. This isn't just my word. What I wanted to do is cite to as many published sources as I could. And they'll say, you know, sure, the officer told him, look, it's to your benefit to talk. You can help yourself. But he didn't offer anything specific. Therefore, we're going to allow this. Exactly. So there's a million ways around it, and, and they're very creative and fact-intensive. It's a very fact-intensive area of the law and no. can be manipulated. Absolutely. And, of course, that's really the bottom line of the book, Tried and Convicted. It's it 
it's that there are ways to get around even what people think are established constitutional principles. Let's go to something like privacy. You talk about uh, this and the, the ways in which uh, police, for example, uh, don't quite treat your home as your castle. Uh, what's the most egregious example that uh, you have seen of a complete repudiation of the idea that there is a reasonable expectation of privacy, at least in your own house? Sure. Um, you know, there's, privacy is one where there are so many exceptions, um, and, I do, and I cite a few of the more yep. interesting cases in, in the book. One of the ones that's mo- used most commonly is called the exigent circumstances exception. The police can, let's say they want to talk to a person, a uh, person is suspected of uh, uh, possessing, possessing marijuana. Mm-hmm. They go up to the person's house, they'll knock on the door, uh, and they'll say, well, we heard footsteps inside, yeah. and the person didn't immediately come mm-hmm. to the door. Therefore, that's an exigent circumstance. Now we can enter because it's possible that someone needs help. They're inside. Mm-hmm. Someone needs help. It's possible that uh, the, yeah. they're destroying evidence. Yeah. Uh, so therefore, the exigent circumstance allows us to enter the home. That's a common one, and that has many, many factual variations Oh, yeah, and, on and it. good heavens, you would never want as a person when the police knock on your door to be flushing a toilet that's at the right. same time. That's destruction right. of evidence, obviously. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> and uh, often it doesn't even require uh, that much. I mean, there's there's a good example in the book where a lot of times the police will simply ask, hey, can we come inside? And a lot of people say yes. You know, they allow them in. Well, what the police can then do is once they're inside, they might be able to do, again, very fact-specific yeah. and depends on, on the state as well as the particular set of facts, but they might do what's called a protective sweep. Well, mm-hmm. person let us in the home. Now we're going to do a protective sweep to see if anyone's uh, in here that could harm us. That includes going into the person's closet and yep. the pockets of his clothing that are hanging in the closet. Yeah. So uh, there's a lot of very bizarre um, yeah, uh, ways never, to contort the, the language. Yeah, you never can tell when a very, very small person could be hiding in a coat pocket in the closet uh, in the second bedroom. <laughs> That's right. I once had a police officer go into an oven. Uh, he said, and where he found, um, he was invited into the home, went into the oven where he found um, uh, a um, a pipe which was alleged to have been used for marijuana, which constitutes a very minor, a 30-day misdemeanor, whatever sure. it was at the time. And said, "Well, yeah, I'm justified in going into the oven because often people will hollow out ovens and hide people in there or hide uh, drugs in there." And yeah. the officer wasn't at all investigating any type of, of, a, of a drug not. crime. So virtually, not. and the way this goes is that it's all after the fact. Okay, the incident happens, the defendant will then challenge the suppression of his marijuana cigarettes or of his pot pipe or whatever the case is, uh, or his computer or whatever the police take. To try and get that suppressed. Then what they do is they have a hearing, and the judge makes a decision exactly. after the fact. And then, and it's all after the fact. And uh, we're going to get to some more facts in just a minute, Michael. We've got to take another break. When we come back, we'll take a look at some more of the facts of how do judges and juries really operate. We'll be back right here on Culture Shucks. For nearly 25 years, the Rushmore Group has shown clients how to build wealth and keep it. The Rushmore Group and its vast network of results-oriented experts in a wide variety of fields take an integrated approach to the art of building personal wealth and will equip you with the tools to keep it. Creating wealth is one thing, keeping it is another. Call 800-824-3911 to find out how to increase and protect your personal or company's asset value, while at the same time eliminating estate and capital gain taxes. Call the RushmoreGroup.com at 800-824-3911 or go to RushmoreGroup.com. If you're out of work, underemployed, or just looking for a better job, simply visit the KCAA website at www.kcaaradio.com. 
and click on the link located in the upper left called Inland Empire Jobs. This link takes you to a new KCAA webpage, which lists hundreds of job opportunities in the Inland Empire. Listings are updated as often as every 10 minutes. Go to KCAARadio.com. This is another valuable service provided by KCAA Radio, the station that leaves no listener or job seeker behind. Looking to save up to 50% on home improvement materials? Stop by the Habitat for Humanity Restore in Redlands, your discount home improvement store. We sell home goods such as furniture, appliances, building materials, and tools at a fraction of the retail cost. And all the proceeds help fund the construction of Habitat homes within the community. We're just off the Mountain View exit on the 10 freeway. Call us at 909-799-6738 or go to www.habitatforhumanity.net. The Restore gladly accepts donations and is always looking for volunteers. Attention dieters. How do you like to get paid $1,000 simply for losing ugly fat? Now you can. How many more attempts at losing weight are you going to endure before you understand the fact that almost all diets are impossible to stick to? Have you fallen into dieters despair? Now you can receive $1,000 as part of a real-life weight loss program underway from coast to coast. Amazing breakthrough hunger-smashing smoothies are now available to the general public. This hunger-smashing smoothie called Slendaline allows you to lose weight rapidly and effectively without a doctor's prescription. All participants who get paid $1,000 will be documented proof that this revolutionary hunger-smashing smoothie, Slendaline, outperforms every other diet when used by real people in real life. Call now and get paid $1,000 simply for losing ugly fat. Call 800-417-3445. That's 800-417-3445. Call 800-417-3445. Again, 800-417-3445. Did you know here at KCAA 1050 AM that we developed an app for all your Android devices? We're talking about your smartphone, your tablets, you name it. You have an Android format, you can take KCAA with you everywhere you go. We're talking about our audio stream, our video stream, and even our podcast. Go to KCAAExpress.com. That's KCAAExpress.com. KCAAExpress.com. Are you sick of the stock market? Do you wonder when this market turmoil is going to end as it heads up 300 points one day and down 300 the next? Are you analyzing other investment opportunities? Don't just head into this unknown territory blindly. Jim and Lorraine Conaway, hosts of Smart Money Talk Radio, will take you through their step-by-step systematic approach to analyzing investment opportunities and potentially help you discover what choices may be appropriate for your situation. Call 888-266-2929 now to schedule your complimentary consultation consultation and you will also receive your complimentary investment evaluator CD. That's 888-266-2929. This is a Smart Money Tip brought to you by Smart Money Talk Radio, hosted by Jim and Lorraine Conaway on KCAA 1050 every Monday from 3 to 4 p.m. Securities offered through J.P. Turner & Company, LLC, member SIPC. Investment advice and financial planning offered through J.P. Turner & Company Capital Management, LLC, a registered investment advisor. J.P. Turner & Company, LLC, and J.P. Turner & Company Capital Management, LLC are not affiliated with Conaway. Conway and Conway, Inc. These are challenging economic times, but challenges often create opportunity. KCAA Radio has always welcomed challenges, and we have found success by moving forward in faith and with boundless determination, regardless of the odds. KCAA is currently looking for a few motivated individuals who are equally determined to improve their situation in these tough economic times. 
So if you're unemployed or just underemployed and you share our determination, we may have the life-changing opportunity that you've been seeking, an opportunity to become part of our KCAA family. This is a commission-based position that offers our guidance and our support to help you earn some of the highest commission rates in the industry. If you're interested, call 909-486-3047. That's 909-486-3047 for more information. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. We are back, and we're talking to Michael Cicchini. He's the author of the new book, Tried and Convicted. It's a look at how, at the lowest level, I mean, we're not talking about the Supreme Court necessarily. How do the local police, the local district attorney, and the other prosecutors, the judges, destroy the constitutional rights that do exist, at least in principle, for all Americans? Um, Right before the break, Michael, we were talking about the fact that so many of these things sound like, and I think are, in fact, decisions made after the fact. That is, the police try to find the excuse after the incident occurs for why they could do anything, in your last example, including looking in the oven of somebody's house and and finding a pipe that may or may not have been used to smoke marijuana. That wasn't even why they entered the house, in, in theory, in the first place. So lots of discretion. Judges at trials also... In, in the hearing stage, on the suppression of evidence, or at any other stage of enormous discretion, including the admissibility of other kinds of evidence. Let's say, and this happens in real life, and, it, and you often see it happen on television, uh, a judge is going to uphold, or I should say reject an objection to something that's said by a witness. In other words, witness says something, it's obviously hearsay, the witness didn't see it, the witness heard a third party say it, and the judge instructs the jury, even if upholding this challenge, says to the jury, now ignore what you've just heard. Doesn't this kind of fly in the face of what liberals, conservatives, moderates, everyone ought to say is common sense? When you heard it, you can't forget it. Please don't think of elephants, Michael, when you answer the question. Exactly. Um, in, I'll take, you get, do a slight twist on that. Often what the judge will do is a statement comes in, he'll say, jury, you may consider it, but not for the truth of the matter asserted in the statement. Uh, give an yeah. example where the police will testify that someone told them the defendant committed crime X. Okay. Yep. And the defense lawyer will, well, objection, that's hearsay. If that person's making the accusation, put them up on the witness stand. And the judge will, and the prosecutor will say, you know, we're not offering it for the truth of the matter asserted, that is, that the defendant committed crime X. We're offering it to show what actions the police officer took next. And the judge will say, oh, yes, you know, that's important uh, because we want the jury to know why the officer made his next decision to go investigate the defendant, for example. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> that's exactly, that, that happens commonly. Sometimes, to their credit, courts will step up and say, look, this is an end around. You, you know, you can't do that. You can't get in accusations by offering them for uh, different purposes. Purposes. Um, and this area of hearsay in the confrontation clause, this is incredibly flexible areas, and I think there's, this is one of my favorite areas to talk about. This is where there's a lot of abuse, partly because there's 30 or so exceptions to the hearsay rule, and partly because mm-hmm. it's easier 
to get around the confrontation clause, despite some new uh, decisions in this area, there's still a lot of room for manipulation uh, where the police can structure their investigations or their interviews in a certain way to then later make them admissible in court. So exactly. it's possible a person's convicted without the accuser ever taking the stand. Yeah, and uh, there were 30 exceptions now, you say. I think when I went to law school, there were only 20. I, I mean, they developed these. These are court-created. It's not like uh, somebody passes a law and says, oh, by the way, we're going to let's have a lengthy debate for a couple of years over a new exception. Yeah, there's uh, the exceptions where I practice, at least the exceptions I'm aware of, they are statutory, but the interpretation is definitely judicial yep. and it's incredibly broad, uh, and it's virtually unchallengeable because it's there's so much discretion vested no, exactly. in the judges. Well, exactly. Well, let me turn to this myth. There are a lot of people that still say the kind of interactions that we've been talking about often lead to convictions being overturned, why criminals are going free on a daily basis. What percentage of uh, felony convictions are, in fact, overturned for any constitutional violation, uh, either under your state's constitution or the U.S. Constitution. It's got to be a tiny fraction. Yeah, I want to say, boy, I can tell you this, in some recent research and publishing I, I've done on some law review articles, I believe the of all the challenges to suppress evidence, less than 1% are successful. As far as convictions being overturned, I want to say that's less than 5%. But here's the other thing. People don't just walk free. In no. most cases, if a conviction is overturned, let's say a, a judge, and the most frustrating thing is not letting in evidence that's harmful that should be kept out. The most frustrating thing for me as a practitioner, as a defense lawyer, is when judges shut you down and don't let you put on your evidence of innocence for various reasons. Uh, there's almost, there can be, with some judges and in some cases, uh, a double standard as far as interpreting these things. And, you know, let's say a defendant's conviction is reversed. Uh, that doesn't mean they walk free. Typically, that means they just get a new trial right. where you get to put on your defense. Yeah. So uh, it's it's really overblown to the extent that, uh, that people hold that view. I think it's it's overblown for sure. Yeah. Uh, let me uh, let me turn to a, a little obsession of mine as a kind of First Amendment purist. Uh, I believe that judges should be required to tell jurors under law, under the law, indeed in the United States, you have the right to refuse to convict a person if you don't believe that the underlying act ought to be a crime in the first place, to say marijuana possession. This is jury nullification. Almost everybody I oppose this to says, oh, my God, we can't do that. The whole system will collapse. But why not? Why yeah. not? Yeah, I like your idea a lot. A couple comments on that. It's very important these days because we've over-criminalized so many things. Of course. Uh, many states have a thousand or more different crimes. Uh, people, from watching TV, you get the impression that crimes are associated with moral guilt. It's not at all the case. Uh, and I'm not, uh, you know, that there's, there's cases of... Uh, people being ground through the system for things like, uh, well, you know, it could be a crime that has a serious sounding name to it, but the behavior wasn't at all criminal. And then there's things that really aren't morally bad. Uh, pe many people argue that first-time marijuana possession shouldn't be criminalized or disorderly conduct, you, you know, yelling at your neighbor, that shouldn't be criminalized. Right. But um, I would certainly like to see that. Uh, and 
especially in today's day and age of our hypervigilance where everything seems to be a crime. And um, the opposite, unfortunately, is also true. We have a lot of cases where we have strict liability crimes, and you don't have a defense. So not only can't you ask for jury nullification, you can't even put on a defense. And a great case is not in all states, but in some states, they have strict liability crimes. Uh, If a person, for example, is, say, an 18-year-old has sexual contact uh, not even intercourse, but contact with someone who's 15. But let's say that mm-hmm. 15-year-old lied about their age, had a mm-hmm. fake identification card of the person, the 18-year-old knew them for some time, had yep. good reason to believe they were 18. Uh, you can, if you are uh, charged with that crime, it is not. It, it might not be a defense that the person lied, misrepresented, right. or that you reasonably believe their age. So, in fact, we are so far away from jury nullification, uh, at least in some states, um, that it's Boy, I'd love to see it, but I just don't know how close we are. I do remember seeing recently, I think, one state, or at least one judge permitted it. Uh, I want to say New Jersey, but I, mm. I, I'm not sure that's something I'm interested sure. in and I'm going to take a closer look at. Uh, but boy, I, you're right. You're right on the money, and I wish we could get to that point. Yeah, of course, uh, before we get there, we're going to have to make sure that uh, things like the strict liability uh, crime definitions in states, uh, we do away with those, or it, it kind of is ir- irrelevant. Um, if do you think that the average judge at the trial level, I know this is difficult because you were practicing before these judges, right. are you generally happy with the seriousness with which they take their job? And do you suspect that trial judges are better or worse if they have to be elected by the voters of a state like Pennsylvania? Right, right. Um, I am, boy, I tell you, with trial judges, I find a huge range. I find uh, in both uh, courtroom style, uh, work ethic, uh, things of that nature. So uh, sometimes I'm very happy uh, and sometimes, you know, not at all. Sometimes I'll feel that the things I've written uh, in a case and arguments I've made haven't been Considered or even read, and other times judges uh, go out of their way to do a you know conscientious, be conscientious Indeed. and do a great job. So it's a wide range of, of of trial court judges. And as far as being you know in Wisconsin, I don't really have an opinion on the second point. In Wisconsin, we elect not only our trial judges but also our state supreme court judges. Yeah. So I don't really know any other way. No, uh, well, but I haven't given that a lot of thought. Is. But would appointment be uh, any different? It's uh, possible. I don't know. Yeah. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to uh, turn to the juries. Remember, the accused shall enjoy the right to a speedy in public trial by an impartial jury of the state and district wherein the crime shall have been committed. That's great. That's in the Sixth Amendment. We'll find out how real that is in Wisconsin and elsewhere when we come back with Michael Cicchini. We'll be back. Looking to save up to 50% on home improvement materials? Stop by the Habitat for Humanity Restore in Redlands, your discount home improvement store. We sell home goods such as furniture, appliances, building materials, and tools at a fraction of the retail cost. And all the proceeds help fund the construction of Habitat homes within the community. We're just off the Mountain View exit on the 10 freeway. Call us at 909-799-6738 or go to www.habitatforhumanity.net. The Restore gladly accepts donations and is always looking for volunteers. 
Hey everyone, Jerry Gusman here, your host of the Realty Executive Hour, inviting you to tune in every Wednesday afternoon from 4 to 5 p.m. Whether you're a first-time home buyer, homeowner behind on your mortgage payments, or a seasoned investor, my guests and I will share the information you need to take advantage of today's real estate market. So tune in every Wednesday from 4 to 5 p.m. right here on KCAA 1050 AM, the station that leaves no listener behind. To the Realty Executive Hour. It's where the experts are. Has your internet service slowed you down? Do any of these experiences sound familiar? No high-speed internet available? Slow or unreliable connections? Waiting for hours for a simple answer? Unexpected charges to your bill? If your answer is yes, then CyberTime Network Communications has the answer. With CyberTime, you'll receive high-speed internet and data connectivity at the speeds you need. Reliable, experienced, proven, and secure professional service. 24-7 customer care and technical support. No hidden fees or charges. You'll know all the costs in advance. CyberTime is a local, professional, no-nonsense internet service provider with high bandwidth facilities located throughout the Inland Empire. Call today at 909-795-9980. That's 909-795-9980. Call 909-795-9980 for CyberTime. Redlands Blueprint and Commercial Printing Company has been serving the greater Inland Empire for over 60 years. For all of your printing needs, from full-color printing to high-speed copying and everything in between, go to Redlands Blueprint and Commercial Printing Company. Their staff is committed to your total satisfaction. Great service isn't just lip service at Redlands Blueprint and Commercial Printing Company. It's the way they do business year after year. Having trouble finding drafting supplies? Redlands Blueprint and Commercial Printing Company still carries a complete selection. Redlands Blueprint and Commercial Printing Company is rated high in customer satisfaction by Value Star, an independent rating company. For all of your personal or business printing, call Redlands Blueprint and Commercial Printing Company at 909-792-3478. That's 792-3478. Or visit them on New York Street in Redlands off the I-10 and the Crosstown Freeway. Hello, my name is Stephanie Georgiev, and I'm the host of Real Food Empire. But for my day job, I also am an integrative family acupuncturist in San Bernardino County. I specialize in the best of what both Eastern and Western natural medicine has to offer. I use state-of-the-art blood and saliva tests along with the ancient art of traditional Chinese medicine to help you and your loved ones achieve health. Call 909-793-9355 and make that first appointment on your road to recovery. My office at the Wellness Loft is located at 112 East Olive Avenue near historic Old Town in Redlands off the 10 Freeway and the Orange Avenue exit. You can check me out at thewellnessloftonline.com or go to my personal website greenrx.org. I look forward to joining you on your road to recovery. Call 909-793-9355 today for special KCAA listener introductory consultation rates. I look forward to serving you and your family.
Are you sick of the stock market? Do you wonder when this market turmoil is going to end as it heads up 300 points one day and down 300 the next? Are you analyzing other investment opportunities? Don't just head into this unknown territory blindly. Jim and Lorraine Conaway, hosts of Smart Money Talk Radio, will take you through their step-by-step systematic approach to analyzing investment opportunities and potentially help you discover what choices may be appropriate for your situation. Call 888-266-2929 now to schedule your complimentary conversation consultation and you will also receive your complimentary investment evaluator cd that's 888-266-2929 this is a smart money tip brought to you by smart money talk radio hosted by jim and lorraine conaway on kcaa 1050 every monday from 3 to 4 p.m securities offered through jb turner and company llc member sipc investment advice and financial planning offered through jp turner and company capital management llc a registered investment advisor jp turner and company llc and jp turner and company capital management llc are not affiliated with Conaway and Conaway, Inc. Now back to Culture Shocks with Barry Lynn on the Genesis Communication Network. back we're talking about uh, your rights uh, such as they are when you are arrested or even before you're arrested how does the system really work one way to get a good idea of how it's working in one state in particular tried and convicted by michael Cicchini, michael's our guest uh, the book is just out available all kinds of places um, okay michael this this impartial jury thing um it started out being interpreted to mean a jury of your peers, uh, although it doesn't say that. Um, so what? how far different do you have to get in making an argument that the people in front of you are not a jury of your peers, it's a jury of some other kind, before you can make a credible argument that that one of your Sixth Amendment rights has been violated? Yeah, it's... Boy, you've really got to have a strong case. There are some that should be so obvious to the court that it wasn't a fair and impartial jury, and not really due to any of the jury's wrongdoing, just due to the judge uh, or prosecutor trying to leave certain people on the jury. Right. But it's it's uh, you've got to make a really strong case. There's one case, for example, where uh, a jury was an employee of the prosecutor's office, the very same office that was prosecuting the case, and the defense lawyer tried to have them removed for cause, saying yep. that you know any objective person in that position couldn't be unreasonable or couldn't be uh, fair and impartial because look, their bread is buttered by one of the parties of in the case. They they work for the prosecutor's office, and the court still said you know no, that's that the trial court at least said you know no, that's that doesn't mean the juror is that uh, can't be uh, fair and impartial. So we're going to leave him or her on the jury. You know, that's one example. Another example is police officers on the jury who are witnesses uh, uh, or who are employed with a police officer witness in the same police department. So there's a lot of examples where it seems to me that for some reason the the trial judges and sometimes the appellate courts will go out of their way to find ways to leave people on jurors, juries when right. they're clearly biased or objectively no reasonable person in that position could be fair. Uh, the 
best example, I think, is a, when you're an employee of the prosecutor's office, you yeah, shouldn't I would be sitting say, on that jury. Yeah, that's probably uh, the, least, uh, the least we can do. I mean, on the question of juries generally, if the case involves a relatively, and a, you know, a rel- relatively speaking, simple question. Did this defendant charged with selling crack to Mr. Jones, did he really sell crack? Uh, pretty easy to follow the chain of evidence argument. Uh, for a jury, uh, assuming the jurors are all awake. But does the system break down? When you have, for example, a complex financial crime, do those juries that might be sitting there for six to eight months actually know what in the world is doing? Or are you likely to have a lot of people there who cannot balance their own checkbook? You know, I think that's where the lawyer's role is a key part. And, And one of the things I try and do, and I think I'm pretty good at, is taking complex factual scenarios and just simplifying them and cutting to the real issue. So to me, that's not a big concern. Where I find a big concern is sometimes based on the nature of the allegation, jurors could become, uh, some people become too emotional and aren't mm. basing it on the evidence. And to their credit, a lot of jurors will come out when you're questioning jurors and jury selection. They may come out and say, you know, just because of the nature of this, I can't even sit here right now. I'm just so upset. If it's a, say, uh, an alleged case of child abuse or exactly. an alleged case of exactly. take an animal abuse or something that, you know, and they say, and I've not had an animal abuse case, I just throw that out there as one that that I would suspect that would come up. And they just say, you know, I'd be too emotional. I can't do this. And the problem is when jurors don't come forward and say that, and then they sit on the jury, and then, um, you know, that impacts the jury, and they could be swayed by things of emotion rather than evidence. Look, you know, false accusations happen to people all the time. The worse the accusation is, the more important it is to have an unbiased jury, uh, someone who will, uh, jurors who will view the evidence, not the allegations. Because it's easy to make an allegation, and it's, it's just as easy to make a horrific allegation. Exactly. So that's where we need jurors to be rational and calm and judge things on the evidence. Uh, do you think that there's a growing sentiment among the average citizen who is uh, trying to work two jobs and all of that? Now they get a summons to jury duty. I frequently am asked uh, by people, uh, how do I get out of jury duty? Um, is that a good question or should we be worried because we've lost the sense of civic responsibility yeah one thing i i wish i could communicate to every juror which would probably be improper to do at that stage is to say look you know it could be you sitting here next to me the defense lawyer so um look at it that way and think you know one day you could be sitting there and it's so easy to be sitting there in this day and age with the ever-expansive criminal code that we have. Uh, so I would like to see more sense of duty. Some, uh, uh, I've heard the sentiments you're expressing, not all jurors, of course, no. not all potential jurors, but uh, many. They just are looking for a way you know, to get out of it without, I think, comprehending the importance of it. And it's just such a big risk today that anyone can be accused of a crime. We need jurors. We need uh, citizens to come in. Uh, do their duty. Now, sometimes there's extreme financial hardships. Those right. are things that can be discussed with the judge, of and course. jurors can be dismissed for those reasons. Uh, but if you don't have those extreme hardships and you're on a jury, you know, we need your full attention. Uh, fellow citizens are being accused of crimes, and, you know, we need your full attention, and we need you to hold the state to its burden of proof. There are people in the jury pool uh, in many urban areas who say, usually anonymously uh, and occasionally to uh, newspapers like the Washington Post, things like, uh, you know, I uh, do not plan to ever send another young African-American male in this city to jail 
for anything relating to drugs. Now, they're not going to disclose that if they're uh, on a, in a jury pool. Uh, how would you find out that that's the sentiment if you're the prosecutor? A lot of prosecutors, and, or well, some prosecutors, a lot of defense counsel use these professional jury watchers who allege to be able to tell from body language and other things whether this is a juror more pro-prosecution, more pro-defense. Does any of that work? Yeah, from... My experience, that's certainly a, more of a psychology issue, but from my experience, I have done some research and writing in the area. Uh, I've seen it in a little different context where police claim to be able to tell if someone's lying based on body language. And mm-hmm. from what I've read on the topic uh, is that the psychological studies do not support that conclusion. Right. Uh, you cannot tell someone's uh uh, their their beliefs, their opinions, whether they're guilty, whether they, you know, based on uh, body language or uh, whether they look down or up. So uh, that's certainly out of my range, but the little bit I've read indicates that there's just no link. There's no evidence to support uh, that type of a uh, uh, that type of a conclusion. In the context of jury selection, boy, I've just not seen or read anything. My, my experience and in, in research on that has been in the context of police officers and their views of guilt or innocence of a suspect yeah, or but if, interrogation. But if you are trying to defend someone today or you're trying to prosecute them, uh, as we know from the horrific Holmes the case that we started with talking about theoretically, um, there's a lot of data out there on the Internet. You, if you get a list of potential jurors, isn't everybody these days going online trying to find as much out about Barry Lynn as possible before I sit on some jury in Maryland? Yeah, social media it poses a real challenge for defense lawyers, judges, and even, you know, even prosecutors. And, you know, a lot of this comes down to, look, in order to get a fair and impartial jury, not unfortunately, the reality is you've got to rely on the juror's word. You've got to rely on what they say when they're under oath and they're answering questions. And um, is it possible that... The jurors aren't truthful. Yeah, it is. You know, but we, you know, that's why it's so important. If you're up there on the jury panel, you've got to be completely uh, forthright. You've got to answer all the questions honestly. When you're selecting a jury, no one's there to judge or condemn jurors. They're there to get facts and, and truth so they can determine uh, and select the jury that would be uh, the best for that case. Uh, do you believe, after years and years of practice, that indeed the American judicial system is a search for truth, or is it a search for wins by the prosecutor and the defense? You know, it's it's odd. It's a search for truth. It seems to conflict with the 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 advocacy system. We have two advocates. We have one side advocating for the defendant, one side advocating for the state. And the theory behind the search for a truth is that this is the best way to get to the truth. When you have two advocates vigorously representing each side, putting forth the evidence that supports their case, the truth will come out more often than not. The problem is when rules start to be broken. The problem is, uh, and I cite several examples in the book, um, if a prosecutor, um, these aren't my own personal experiences, these are experiences of published cases, Uh, if a prosecutor is bribing witnesses, if they're providing them with favors, uh, that's when the system breaks down and the adversary system doesn't produce the truth. That's right. Uh, And if the the judges are on the dole, if they're taking money and and if they are uh, being unreasonably harsh uh, to defendants, which there are published cases of that, of that's when the system breaks down. No, it does. And, and, of course, even the phrase you use more often than not, you get to the truth. Uh, there are some who'd say, well, yeah, but that ain't good enough. We, we want an assurance. And you don't get it. It's the same argument made about freedom of speech. Let the best voice prevail. Well, it usually does, I think, but not always. Michael, thanks so much for being with us. It's a great new book, Tried and Convicted, available now in your bookstores. I'm Barry Lynn. We'll talk again.
This edition of Culture Shocks has been produced by Diane Robinson, engineered by Dwayne Davis, and the Genesis Communication Network technical staff. Visit us online at cultureshocks.com. KCAA Loma Linda. You're listening to Beatles Arama. Any life is in my ear and in my eyes. The Beatles story in words and music all day long. Two, one, two, three, four. Hello, everybody. Pat Matthews back again for another Beatles celebration we call Beatles-a-rama. This week is indeed a celebration as we honor John Lennon on what would have been his 72nd birthday. Born October 9, 1940 in Liverpool, he was raised by his Aunt Mimi and was interested in art and music from his earliest childhood. We kick things off with John demanding to be heard, as was his way. I'm sick and tired of hearing things I've had enough of reading things by neurotic, psychotic, big-headed politicians. All I want is the truth. Just give me some truth. No short head, yellow belly, son of tricky dick. 